official podcast of the Mission Redlands. We are a growing community living out God's radical love. Well, I also want to thank uh, everybody who's been praying for me this last week. I, I, I gave you guys a prayer request last week. I'm feeling so much better, ready to preach this morning, and uh, finally got over the flu. But still continue to lift our teaching team up because uh, whoever's preaching next week is probably going to get sick unless we just cover them in prayer, right? So, okay, be with us in prayer. So, um, I just, my, my message is fairly simple this morning, okay? So, um, so I just want to say that there's this old saying, okay, this old saying that's been handed down from generation to generation, no doubt that ancient tribes probably had this saying scribbled in stick figures inside of cave walls, right? And to this day, I'm sure within our own country's borders, somewhere in an elementary school library, hanging on a wall, shining under those fluorescent lights, because it's obviously laminated, right? hangs this famous piece of wisdom. Are you ready for this piece of wisdom? Okay, sheesh. The wisdom is, are you ready? You can't judge a book by its cover, right? Have you heard this phrase? Raise your hand if your mom said that to you sometime when you were young, right? Okay, ra- okay, put your hands down. Raise your hand if you've said that to somebody else before, right? Okay, okay, awesome, awesome. At, at some point in our lives, I'm pretty sure that all of us have had this nugget of wisdom bestowed upon us at, at one time or another. But there's only one problem. It's not even true. Yeah, I said it. It's not even true. Like, I can actually tell a lot about a book by its cover, right? Like, like seriously. Like, for instance, like, if a book looks like this, right, I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm going to want to read that book. Like, it, uh, Captain America is probably going to be doing some awesome stuff. There's not going to be any huge, ginormous words. Like, there's going to be words like pow and bam and, and the famous thwap. Right? And, and like, so I, I'm pretty sure by the cover, I want to read that book, right? But here's the thing. If, if, if the cover looks more like this, then I, 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 I don't want, I, I, I'm not sure that that book was really written for my specific demographic, right? Like, they might have had somebody else in mind when they wrote that book, right? I can tell a lot about that book by its cover, right? And so, like, um, Kim has this cookbook. Take Fabio away, please. Take him away. Um, uh, Kim has this cookbook that she uses sometimes, and we always joke about the guy on the cover. And, and so this is what the food, this is what the cookbook looks like. So, so like, I can tell a couple of things from this cover, right? Um, and, and so, first of all, Probably me and this guy don't feel the same intensity about cooking, right? And we also don't shop for men's clothing at the same place, right? Uh, I mean, I, I, 
If I ever did want to be on a cookbook, would you guys like to see what that would look like? Okay, okay. Go ahead and show them, James. Right? Right? So, so I, so, man, wow. If I ever hold fruit like that, seriously, you guys got to tell me, okay? Tell me. You got to tell me. Tell me if I, if you ever catching me, catch me hold fruit, holding fruit like that. Gosh, that's scary. Okay, take that away. Woo. Woo. Obviously, I'm being super silly here, but the truth is you, you can judge a lot about a book by its cover. You just can't tell if the story's any good, right? You can't, which is actually the main reason why you buy a book, right? You, you buy a book for the story or the information inside of it, right? You, you, you buy a book hoping that it will entertain you or, or somehow provide you with helpful insight. But you won't know for sure if you've made a good decision until you crack that book open, right? Until you read the book and... And, and so in that respect, I guess the saying is true. Like, I, I, I guess it's true. Um, it, sounds, it sounds funny when I, when, I, when I put it this way, right? When I, when, I, when I phrase it this way. But we do this to people all the time, right? We judge a person by what they do, what they're wearing, where they live. You know, sometimes it's unconscious, and, but other times... It's not. like, And society plays a huge role in our preconceived notions about people, too. But the fact remains that unless you are in a close relationship with that person, you have no clue what's going on within the pages of their story. Is that right? Just because someone looks like they have their act all together doesn't mean they always actually do. Right? I'll never forget, I'll never forget this. Years and years ago, I was having lunch with a man that I, I greatly admired. Um, and I, I, he had a big house with lots of land, great family, um, you know, lots of friends, loved the Lord, had a, knew, knew just like a ton about the scriptures. And to me, it seemed like he kind of had the picture perfect life. And, and at the time, honestly, Kim and I were, were, were having some, some trouble, as, as all young married couples do, you know. And, and I remember looking at this man like he had it all figured out. Like, and, and I wanted him to share his secret with me. So I asked him, right? I said, I said we, we were at lunch, and I said, man, you and your wife, you seem like you have such a blessed life. Like, it seems like you guys truly have it all figured out, like, you, you all have, you have it all together, and, like, what's the secret to your marriage, and, and, and things got, like, really super awkward all of a sudden, and I remember he hung his head about as low as you could go without hitting the table, like, and after several minutes of silence, he finally gathered up some words, and he said, Jason, I, I don't have it all together, like not at all, and, and I don't have any secrets to share, and that was basically the end of the conversation, and I, I could tell I had like definitely struck a nerve, but I wasn't exactly sure why. I left that conversation confused and, 
And it stayed that way for a while until a couple of weeks later it came out that this man whom I thought had it all together and had like this picture-perfect marriage had, had been caught having an affair with another woman. And that day we had lunch when I was asking him about his perfect marriage. His wife was deciding whether or not she was going to leave him. And I'm a pretty intuitive guy, but my intuitions failed me on that day. And, <laughs> but because from the outside looking in, I had no clue what this man was going through. And eventually, there was restoration in the couple's marriage, praise God. And, and, uh, and the wound was, was there, but it took, and it, it took a long time to heal, but it did eventually heal. And, 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 but to look at them on Sunday mornings, you would have never, ever known that that couple was going through that. You simply can't tell what a person is going through or where they're at in their life by looking from the outside in. That's why the Bible says in 1 Samuel 16, man looks on the outward appearance, but the Lord looks on the heart. And because of that fact, no matter how pretty the cover of your book is, if Jesus isn't written within the pages, you are still eternally lost. We need the salvation of Jesus inside, no matter what our lives look like on the outside. Because Romans 3, 22 through 24 says, For there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. We all need to be saved from our sin. We all need to be born again and we all need this equally. Jesus taught the same concept to a prominent Jewish religious leader in the book of John chapter 3. You can go ahead and turn there. If you want to, uh, his name was Nicodemus. And uh, Nicodemus was a Pharisee, which means he was a specific type of Jewish person who, who would have been extremely concerned with following the Old Testament laws while observing their own religious traditions. And Nicodemus wasn't just a Pharisee, but the Bible refers to him as a leader of the Jews which means he was a member of the Jewish governing body known as the Sanhedrin. This would have made him an extremely well-respected man, not to mention that he would, have, uh, he, he would know the Old Testament inside and out, right? And, but this very well-respected leader of the Jewish community begins to hear about the miracles that Jesus is performing and comes to Jesus under the cover of night to learn more about him. And we pick up the story, John chapter 3, verse 1. This is the story of Jesus and Nicodemus. Verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you, have, that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, 
I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, how can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said to him, how can these things be? Jesus answered him, are you the teacher of Israel, and yet you do not understand these things? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and bear witness to what we have seen, but you do not receive our testimony. If I have told you earthly things and you do not believe, how can you believe if I tell you heavenly things? No one has ascended into heaven except he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. So let's recap what we just read. Let's recap it. Let's set the scene. So you have this incredibly well-respected Jewish leader coming to Jesus under the cover of night, which tells us that he wasn't quite ready to be seen with Jesus in the daylight. And, and Nicodemus comes to Jesus and called him rabbi, which uh, means teacher. This, this would have been a sign of respect, because as a member of the Sanhedrin, Nicodemus would have known that Jesus didn't have any formal rabbinical training. And he goes on to say that Jesus... God must be with you because no one can do these things we've seen you do. And Jesus is just in the very early stages of his ministry here. And already he's challenging the thoughts and beliefs of this well-educated man. Because Jesus is, is difficult, right? We, we spoke about that last week. And, and true to form, Jesus just cuts through all of the conversational foreplay and gets right to the point. He, he tells Nicodemus in verse 3, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. This totally catches Nicodemus off guard, right? And, and I'm sure... Uh, I, I'm, I'm actually not sure if he's being sarcastic here or what, but Nicodemus responds by saying something really funny, uh, to me anyway. Serious, he's like, seriously, Jesus, you're not saying that an old man like me somehow re-enter his mother's womb, right? Because, like, I'm pretty sure that would be wildly unpleasant for all parties involved. And, uh, and, <laughs> and so Jesus you know, comes right back at him and begins to explain further. And he says in verse 5, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. And some scholars believe that Jesus 
is talking about a water baptism here, but the, the overall general consensus is that he's actually referring to a promise that God made to the Israelites all the way back in the book of Ezekiel, chapter 36, where he says, I will sprinkle clean water on you. You shall be clean from all your uncleannesses and from all your idols. I will cleanse you and I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. And I will remove the heart of stone from your flesh and give you a, uh, give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you. Jesus didn't have any formal rabbinical training, but he knew the Old Testament pretty well because he's God, right? <laughs> and he's fully God and fully man to be specific. And Jesus continues to blow Nicodemus's mind by saying to him in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the spirit is spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear its sound, but you do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with everyone who is born of the Spirit. Jesus is saying, this new birth I'm speaking of, it doesn't have anything to do with an earthly birth. It's about a rebirth in the Spirit. Jesus continues and is like, you know what, don't try to figure it out. Don't try to figure out how it works. Just have faith that this is the way it will be. Uh, just like the wind, you know it's there, and when it blows, you know it, but you don't know where it came from or where it's going next. Know, know this, that... Oh, know this, that you will not see the kingdom of God unless you were born again. And... Jesus is, is, is really challenging Nicodemus in what he would have believed his whole life. And so frustrated, I'm sure, Nicodemus says, you know, he, how can these things be true? How can these things be? Nicodemus is having a hard time wrapping his brain around what Jesus is saying, but, which is essentially what Jesus told him not to do. And, and over the next couple of verses, Jesus really lays into Nicodemus because of his lack of faith. Jesus is like, bro, you've seen me do miraculous signs and wonders, and you still don't believe. Aren't you the teacher of Israel? How can I share with you heavenly things that will truly blow your mind if you don't believe the earthly things I tell you? Notice that, that uh, Jesus uses the word believe and not understand in verse 12. Because Jesus told Nicodemus up front that he wasn't going to understand everything and, and that uh, he would have to take it on faith. Which reminds me of a, a quote by my personal hero, Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. He said, faith is taking the first step even when you don't see the whole staircase. Faith is taking the first step, even when you don't see the whole staircase. Jesus is asking Nicodemus to take the first step on faith. And then in verse 13, Jesus begins to break it down for Nicodemus. And Jesus says, 
No one has ascended into heaven except for he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him may have eternal life. That phrase, Son of Man, that Jesus is talking about, he's talking about himself about how he descended from heaven and though he was fully God, became fully man. And, and verse 14 is interesting to me because it references Moses lifting up a serpent in the wilderness. And this is an easy reference to miss, but an incredibly powerful illustration that Jesus knew Nicodemus would understand. And the Old Testament, after the people of Israel had escaped Egypt. They were wandering in the wilderness for years and years. And during that time period, the people of Israel were complaining about the food the Lord would, was providing for them. And, and, and out of nowhere, they started to get bit by all these snakes, um, which is weird, but it, it, it's there, you know. And, 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 and they prayed to the Lord that he would take the snakes away because many of their fellow Israelites were dying from these snake bites. And God told Moses to create a copper snake, put it on a pole, and all who looked at it would live. In doing this, God was providing a way for the Israelites to be saved from death. These snake bites before meant certain death to whoever was bitten. But God provided a way for them to live when they should have died. And a, and a, second, a second chance, a second chance at life, almost like a second birth. And through this illustration, Jesus is telling Nicodemus that this is what he's come to do. He says, the Son of Man has come to be lifted up. Lifted up in death on a cross but also lifted up from the grave in resurrection. And, and through this lifting up, the poison that is the cause of death, which in our case is our own sin, shall be taken away. And we will be made new. Jesus is preaching the essence of the gospel to Nicodemus. And telling him that whoever believes these things about the Son of Man will have eternal life. And before Nicodemus could even speak, because I'm sure he had plenty to say at that point, but before Nicodemus could even speak, Jesus goes on to tell him why God has done all of this. He says, for God so loved the world. That he gave his only son. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. If you don't have that scripture memorized, you should really think about spending some time with it. Because in one sentence, Jesus sums up the enormity and the entirety of the gospel. This week... Spend a moment or two etching that scripture on your heart if you haven't already. Because the gospel doesn't get 
more simple than that. As the worship team comes in closing, this series, Growing Pains, that we're in is all about the obstacles that we have to overcome in our lives and even in our thinking when we begin to seek God to increase in our lives. But a key ingredient of God's increase in our lives, as I said last week, is humility. And maybe the very first growing pains someone can experience and may have to overcome in becoming a Christian is realizing that all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Not just some. Not just the thugs down the street or the housewives or the teenagers or not just some. All. We all need Jesus equally. It doesn't matter what the cover of your book looks like. If Jesus isn't written on the pages within, you're lost. I want to talk specifically to the people in the room who haven't become a Christ follower yet. It's really, really tempting To look at other people and say, once I have my act together like them, then I'll begin to follow Jesus. Then I'll become a Christ follower. Believing that you have to get your life to a certain place to measure up before knowing Jesus is a lie from the pit of hell. You don't get your life together and then come to Jesus, you come to Jesus and he helps you get your life together. Is that right? Nicodemus was a well-educated man, well-respected, a religious leader, in fact. And he needed Jesus just as much as the thief on the cross who hung next to Jesus. We all need Jesus equally. A dirtbag like me needed Jesus, needs Jesus, and you need Jesus. We all need the same amount of Jesus to see the kingdom of heaven. We can never be good enough on our own, and that's why God sent Jesus. He made a way for us to be born again. And now I want to talk specifically to the people in the room who are already Christ followers. Do not make the mistake of thinking someone doesn't need to hear the gospel from you because they look like they have their act together on the outside. You never know what's going on inside someone's heart. And not telling them could mean risking their eternity. And, and guys, Mission Church, I want you to hear this because this is right from my heart. This is, this is where I'm at. 
We need to not be afraid to allow ourselves to feel the burden of people's eternity and steward the message of God's love for them well. I want to open this time up for prayer. And uh, I want to have some of the core team come forward if you would be willing to, uh, to pray with people and just stand along the sides here. And if you want to pray with somebody, whether it's you want to accept Jesus for the first time, or you want to pray a prayer of repentance, or you just want to pray a prayer with someone and just say, I need more. I need more of Jesus. Maybe, maybe, when I, maybe when I said the thing about do not make the mistake of risking someone's eternity because you didn't tell them, maybe the Lord put someone on your heart. Maybe the Lord gave you a picture of someone in your head and you need to pray for courage to speak the gospel to that person. We need to allow ourselves, as hard as it may be, and it's messy. I get it, and I don't like mess. But it's, and it's, it's messy, but we need to allow ourselves to feel the burden of people's eternal resting place. I want to open up this time. If you want to pray, Come forward, we're going to drop the lights. Chris is going to play some music, just quietly. And then we're going to sing one more song. So we're just going to rest in this holy moment right now. And then I'm going to close this in prayer. You are listening to the official podcast of The Mission Redlands. For more information, visit us at themissionredlands.com.